This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. And this week, I sit down with my local pastor, Andy George. I wanted to have a conversation with the pastor to discuss what has it been like leading during the last year of this pandemic. So Andy joins me and we chat about challenges that he and his staff have faced during the last year. We also chat about unexpected blessings, navigating the digital space, and how he has seen his staff become more innovative during this time. At the end of our conversation, I asked Andy, how can I, how can you, how can congregants of local churches across the globe come alongside and encourage their pastors. I believe this conversation is going to increase your empathy for your local pastor, and it's going to give you some insight into the decisions and changes they have had to make throughout this last year. So without further ado, let's drop into my conversation with Crossroads Fellowship Lead Pastor, Andy George. Good afternoon, Andy. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. Hey, thank you so much, Amber. Really looking forward to being on the podcast with you. Yeah, it's fun to have my pastor on the show. I mean, I've had know, Daniel right? on here, but it's wait, really wait fun. Wait a second. You've had another <laughs> one of our pastors before me on the show? That's right. Daniel oh, came on to talk man. a little bit about Easter, well, last year, um, right before we all went in quarantine. So, Isn't that something, right? Everybody's, everybody's making plans and then... I mean, nope. it feels like a decade ago. It, it feels like forever ago. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's crazy, which we're going to talk about that today. But before we jump into that, um, introduce yourself, your family, and tell all of our listeners a little bit about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you for having me on your podcast. So I'm Andy George. And uh, first off, I've been married for 26 years. So let's get the important Yay. stuff up front first. <laughs> 26 years of marriage. And uh, it's been awesome. Stacy's been along my side the entire time in ministry since college. And so it's been a wonderful journey for both of us. And we have two kids, 21 and 16. So, you know, I think uh, early on, it it goes by really fast. But then early on, I always laugh about this because early on, somebody told me, I think they saw me chasing, uh, because my kids are five years apart, roughly. And they saw me chasing like a seven-year-old and a two-year-old around. And somebody was like, don't worry, it gets easier. Well, guess what? They're liars. It it does not get easier. It gets more expensive and it changes. but they're awesome. So we got a great family and, uh, you know, like everybody else at the time of this recording, you know, we're, we're, um, in the middle of doing school at home, both for college and high school. So we're figuring that out together, but, uh, yeah, so married 26 years, been in full-time ministry for that same amount of time for 26 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. And spent 11 years up in Ohio as a youth pastor at two wonderful churches in Ohio and then came here in 2005 and, uh, started off as a youth pastor here, did that for five years. Then, launched uh, our Wake Forest campus, which was an awesome experience, and did that for several years, and then uh, took over as senior pastor just about three years ago uh, for Crossroads Fellowship. So now, currently, uh, I'm the senior pastor at Crossroads, which I think is a it's a beautiful, uh, multicultural, multi-generational, multi-site church, and uh, I love the vision of our church to make disciples and see transformation happen. And so 
that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. Yeah. So where did you go to seminary? Because I knew, I mean, you're from Ohio, right? No, I'm actually from Niagara Falls, New York. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Born and raised there my whole life. And then I went to Valley Forge, okay. uh, which is now the University of Valley Forge outside of, well, Valley Forge National Park outside of Philadelphia. So I went there. Uh, that's where I went to seminary. That's where I met Stacy. And then right. right from there, we went into full-time ministry uh, and the rest is history. I mean, so that's how you became an Ohio State fan? It is, yes, uh, because I was, you know, when you go to, so growing up in Niagara Falls, there's really not a college team to cheer right. for at the time. So it was a Buffalo Bills fan, right, professional sports. Yes. And then we got to Ohio, and I think it was the first, maybe the first day we were there, unknowingly, because I had not been following college sports at all. Somebody came up to us and said, all right, you're going to cheer for Ohio State or Michigan, you got to pick one. And I'm like, uh, I guess I'm in Ohio, so I guess I'm going to go with Ohio State. And they're like, good choice, good choice. <laughs> That's the way it is so, in Kentucky. I mean, yes, Kentucky, yes. it's like Sam is not from Kentucky either. Yep. And he wasn't really, I mean, he went to the University of Kentucky and he liked Kentucky sports, but he wasn't a huge Kentucky fan. And then we moved away from Kentucky and then he was like, oh. I mean, yeah. it runs deep there. Like, I got to be <laughs> a does. fan now. And so I, I get it. Because we didn't have really any pro. Well, we don't have any pro teams. And so it was kind of like the Bengals. And Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd rather cheer for a college team than the Bengals, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we became Ohio State fans and honestly uh, fell in love with Ohio State and yeah. started cheering for them. And, and now it's just great being an ACC country, knowing that I'm a Big Ten fan and that we can whoop all the schools around here. So that's kind of fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, we'll move on to the topic yeah, yeah, again, yeah. because I can chit chat forever. <laughs> I know, right? We may be interested, but I don't know if anybody <laughs> else is. And so, so we are coming up, by the time this episode comes out, we'll be coming up on a year of the pandemic. With that said, that means that you are coming up on a year of leading a church in a pandemic. And so tell us, you know, how has your life and ministry changed as a result of the season we're in now. Yeah. So like everybody else, you know, we experienced an abrupt change. It wasn't just a slow, gradual. It was literally, hey, we think there's a virus that might be coming to the States, but it's on the West Coast. May or may not come this way. Nothing to panic about. And it felt like, and I don't know the exact timing, but it, it literally felt like it was a week, mm-hmm. almost like a week. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, oh we, uh, we, we, might, we might have to start rethinking what we're doing here and rethink church and rethink everything. So I say that because I heard early on these two terminologies that I've been using nonstop. And it was the question, is this a disruption or an interruption? Hmm. That was the best I heard anybody kind of phrase, what are we going through? Is this something that is just an interruption meeting? It's just going to be like this for a few weeks and then we're going to get back to normal. Or is it a disruption? And early on, I feel like we all thought it was an interruption Mm -hmm. because we were still getting ready for Easter, as you already mentioned. We were getting ready for Easter, and we thought, hey, just in a few weeks here, we'll be able to have service and Easter, no big deal. So it's just a little interruption. And then real quickly, we realized that this is a major disruption, meaning that there really isn't a reality of going back to the same as it used to be. So as I think through my life uh, with kids, right, Uh, my son's a senior in college, my daughter's a junior in high school, you know, it's completely disrupted their life, it's Mm -hmm. disrupted our life. Oh, by the way, uh, we picked up a foster baby from the hospital the week of the (laughs) shutdown. Uh, So we did that. I remember Stacy going to the hospital because you were only allowed one person in there. And she comes home with this newborn baby that we've had in foster care for eight months on top of all that. And so it's been a very interesting season for us. So I think that the way that I would describe 
to change during this time is that it's a complete disruption as what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we've been navigating through how to do church in a hybrid model. I think that's the other part of it. The change has been prior to COVID, we had Sunday morning in-house, in-person is kind of your main deal. And I would say that was probably true for the majority of all Mm -hmm. churches. Then all of a sudden, you no longer had the in-house and you had just online and now all of a sudden we got both. And so how to navigate through both of those well is also a change because we, at Crossroads, we've had an online service before, but we really haven't had an online campus until recently. And so it's just really changed the game in a lot of ways for us in that regard. Yeah. I mean, and it's so interesting because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can go back in my mind so vividly and be like, Yeah, we were cruising along in school to the point where I even said to Kara, I was like, oh, yeah, book that trip to New York. It's going to be fine. This is not going to, you know, hurt anybody. It it is not. You need to book it. And she booked it. And then like a week later, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I did the same thing to Mexico. I was supposed to go down to Mexico to do some training. And I booked my flight. It was in May and I booked my flight. I think it was in January, February, knowing that there was this virus out yeah. there, but thinking, Oh, it's, that's no way going to be here in May. And then sure enough, I'm canceling my flight to Mexico. I'm canceling all these other trips. Um, yeah, it's just a change of everything. Yeah. Well, what have some of the biggest challenges been for you as a pastor of, I mean, a fairly large church, but really for any pastor? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me and I could even probably use the word frustration and even a little bit of discouragement for me is I very much am a planner. I've always have been. I like to plan ahead. In fact, by now, I would already have 2021 already planned in a normal year. So wow. typically by yeah, typically by September, October, I've got the whole next year planned with all my sermon outlines as far as what I'm going to preach on or what I'm going to do, even the church calendar, you know, and all the things. We're st- we start setting our goals. I mean, everything. We start setting everything. And the the challenge for me and the change has been, I don't even honestly can tell you what's going to happen next week sometimes. Right. And that's really hard for somebody that's a planner and somebody that's trying to be a vision leader, uh, which it's hard to be a visionary leader when you have, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you have no idea what's going to happen in a week from now or two weeks from now. And, you know, and all you, all you can do is kind of put your best case forward, your best guess, because you still got a plan. So I think, I think that's been one of the biggest challenges. I think the other one is knowing that every decision we've made since, I guess, March, every decision, whether it's opening the church or not opening mm-hmm. the church, whether it's opening the church and then having mass or no mask, whether it's opening the church and having some ministries back, but not all ministry back, all those decisions have ripple effects everywhere. Yeah. And I think the big challenge that that I'm facing, I know our staff are facing, is that we feel in almost every category that we're in a no-win situation. I mean, just in every, now in ministry, we, listen, ministries. <laughs> like that anyways. You know, <laughs> yeah, because you, I mean, you're working with people, right? So you're never going to please everybody. So we always know that, but it is just, um, it is heightened right now. And every decision you got, not just a few people, you got like half people that are like, for you and you got half people that are angry with you. And it's been like that since March, honestly. And, and that wears on you. I can see it in our staff. I see, I see our staff wearing that pressure all the time of really prayerfully trying to make the best decision we can with the resources we have, the people, and and granted, I know people don't know behind the scenes of what we have, what we don't have, what we can and cannot do. Uh, They just assume like, Hey, open it up. And so that's been a big challenge um, across the board. And I think the, the final one that all ties together uh, recently has been volunteers. That's the biggest challenge. 
because you got people that want to come back and, but you need volunteers to run kids ministry yeah. and, and all, and everything, everything we do is pretty much volunteer based. And so it's that tension of opening and then not opening. And then how do you get volunteers who feel safe enough to come back and, and who actually wants to come back. And so that's always yeah, the big old challenges we're facing. Well, and you're when you talk about volunteers too, particularly in kids ministry, you're, it's almost like you're having to teach them a whole nother level of this yep. is what we need to do between services. This is, and so there's a lot of layers to that that we just it's hard to think through. It, it is, you know, and and even the best case scenarios because when the virus first started hitting and we knew that we were in basically you can't come in person mode. As we started to look to the future, we actually came up with about four plans of reentry, uh, and we worked on them for months because we kept changing them. And you know, even with our best plans, you come back and you say, "Hey, okay, we got good protocols in place. You know, there's safety protocols. It's you know, the ratios are there. It's still you just still need people to believe that. Yes, <laughs> to actually be willing to step back in there. And so it's a big challenge for us. Yeah. Well, and the reality is, is that even though there are all these challenges, there are unexpected blessings too. And I mean, I think even if it's not just in the church building, you can see it sometimes in your congregants. And so what are some of the unexpected blessings that you feel like that you have experienced, you know, personally and as a church? Yeah, I think for me personally, and a little bit of our church is I think one of the big unexpected blessings has been the innovation that's happened as a result of the coronavirus. So I think we can't look too fast past that. I think that it's a very, very good thing. I think the people that have learned how to innovate through this are the ones that are going to come out of this better than before. Yeah, I think that's true for people. I think that's true for organizations, businesses, definitely for the church. I think there are some people who probably still think, hey, let's just wait it out. And mm. when it's over, we're just going to bounce back. And I just, I'm just not one of those people. I think that we've got to change a lot of how we have done church historically. And so to me, I, I, I think that's actually a good thing. I, I like trying to think of new ways. I think the innovation that we've been able to implement and the stuff that's on the table to continue to implement uh, is exciting yeah. to some degree. Uh, I've been talking to our staff because as I told you, I can see it in our staff that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're getting frustrated and discouraged and burnt out. And I had a meeting not that long ago where I started to ask them to start thinking about what does it look like to be a church planner? Uh, even at Crossroads, we got a couple thousand people there, but I don't know who's going to come back. Right. At least in person, right? Yes. At least in person. Yes. Now, now they could still join online, which most of them are doing. But when it comes to in person, we might, we might find ourselves with a church of a thousand instead of 3,500. 3, right. Like real quick. And so the exciting thing to me, the blessing is to look at our city with a different lens. Mm. Um, because honestly, more than half our city don't go to church anywhere. Yeah. And so to me, it's an opportunity to start going, okay, what are we doing or what do we need to do to actually reach them? Not just to keep the people we have, not just to have people bouncing between churches, but how do we actually reach the people who they might never come to the church, uh, but we can certainly go to them with some innovative ways. So I think that's one yeah. unexpected blessing. Um, I think the other one is it's an opportunity to really see what's important in your life. Mm -hmm. I think that one, I think everybody's probably experiencing what are the things that are most important to me? What are the things I need to change? Um, I think for some degree, who's with me, right? Yeah. You get to see who's actually with you, who's for you, who is ready to go. And I think the, the final blessing I've seen is quite honestly, our reach has gotten bigger. Wow. We've got a bigger reach because of going online and we are already somewhat set up for it. And even just the few tweaks we've made over the last couple of months, 
uh, our reach online has been exponentially bigger than it has before. And so now instead of just reaching, you know, a few thousand people in a building, we're reaching at times more than double that, uh, and if not triple that online wow. and, and extended. And so that's always some good ex- unexpected blessings. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then I think the other one, I didn't write this down, but I just, it was especially early on when I remember we had to go pick up my son from college because their college closed down. Um, I think that must have been late March or early April. A decade ago. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I remember having a conversation with my wife going, you know, when are we ever going to get this time again with him? Yeah. He's 21. He's graduating college in May and he's going to be out of the house. Probably, you know, he's going to be on to the next thing. He's studying hard. He's doing good. He's got things lined up. And so I think the unexpected blessing has been that family time, yeah. which at times may not feel like a blessing when you're cooped up in a house for a couple months. Yep. But if you just breathe for a moment and realize, man, my 16 year old and 21 year old, they would never have had this last six months together. Uh, the way that they have, and they've grown immensely in their relationship. And so I think, I think that's been a real personal unexpected blessing that I've, I've really enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, I can say the same thing at my house. My kids are little, but there's still a pretty big gap between my oldest and my youngest. And I remember watching them last year, just out on the swing set swinging and thinking, I know in five minutes, they're going to be yelling each other and ready to (laughs) beat each other to death. But at the same time, they're spending more time together and having to kind of, I mean, almost be innovative in their own way. And how are we going to enjoy our life now that it's different? And really we're still seeing the benefits of that now, despite the fact that there are sibling squalls and all of that kind of stuff. And so I can't imagine if I had a college kid that, that was able to come home, but now with his senior year, um, will they get to go back next semester or is it a full year we're home? Well, we hope so. So he actually opted to stay home for the fall. So their college actually opened up in the, in the fall, but he plays football yes. and they moved their football programs to the spring. Oh, nice. And so their, their college is kind of on lockdown all semester. So you really can't do much. I think so that he sounds was like, awful. Hey, yeah, it, I mean, it does. And so he's, he, he had a great summer job that he was able to keep. So he's like, you know, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to make money. I'm going to study. He actually does better grade wise when he's online. And so his grades are all high A's right now. He's doing great, but he is planning to go back in the spring because of football. And so he'll go back and finish out with football. If football doesn't happen, uh, he'd probably finish online. I bet you. Oh, wow. I mean, it seems like football would happen just because you can see it's happening everywhere else, but I know. I think so. I think so. Are you, are you, I'm sure hoping that it happens as well for your sake and for him. I mean, it's just senior year. Yeah, mainly for my sake. I love football. So I'm like, you know, I want to go watch him play one more semester. But even then, you know, who knows if we're able to go to the games or not. And so, uh, so we're looking at that. And my daughter plays volleyball and she's on the varsity team at Heritage, but they've already told us that, you know, fans are going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to be there. And so you get to watch it online and uh, playing club ball where you can only bring one parent. So yeah, all that has changed. But you know, it's all, it's all good. I know it's, we are having to learn to be flexible all the time. And so I don't see that changing anytime soon. And that's part of why this online campus has become so important because it is going to be continuing. And so what does pastoring an online community look like in comparison to a traditional congregation? Yeah, I think, I think first, let me just start with the 
the similarities that there are. So, cause in many ways it's the same thing. People are people, mm-hmm. uh, people's needs are the same. Discipleship doesn't stop. So there's still discipleship that happens. Everything's just adjusted. So I think there's a lot of similarities that, Hey, people still reach out. People still need to talk. Obviously most of our meetings have been through zoom and FaceTime and, you know, uh, counseling has really changed a lot to where mm-hmm. a lot of it's virtual and, you know, leadership development and connection new pe- of new people, all that is still very much virtual. Uh, but I think the biggest change in comparison is kind of similar is that you, you really just don't see people as much. Yeah. Uh, you just don't see actual people <laughs> like in person and in ministry where it is fully relational. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's full on relational to go from roughly March until I guess it was July without having anybody coming to the building for anything and you couldn't really go to anybody, that was very strange uh, to do ministry that way. Because like I said, Sundays keep coming. Ministry doesn't stop. People are in the hospital. People are, babies are being born. People unfortunately are passing away. There's marriage counseling. There's this overall stuff that people are carrying and you still got to figure out how to do that. And so that has really changed. So I would say that the way that we counsel people, the way we meet with people, the way that we develop people and discipleship, all of that has changed. It's no longer just at, at the building. So I think that's one big one. Uh, the other one is that it's created more of a 24-7 ministry than before, mm. which is good and bad. Uh, <laughs> that think, sounds exhausting um, to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's exhausting. You know, like even you know, when you were, when we were all working from home, you know, you're working from home all day, but I found that I was actually, and and still like even to this day, I'm busier now, even with ministries shut down or programming slowed down than I was when we were full blown because you're still planning your current stuff as well as trying to think about how to do it differently in the future. And so it's just a constant change. Um, So I think that's, that's changed a lot that there's no, it's hard to find an off switch I guess is a way to say it. Well, and part of that just being, I mean, it's another layer of discipline we have to put in, right? Where now you have to say, I've got to figure out when to turn it off. I mean, and that can be a real danger for any job. I mean, it's a danger for my husband and he's not in ministry, but I mean, that's what comes along with technology is you got to set a boundary, right? Where eventually you say it's got to go off or you're going to drive yourself crazy because we are not designed to just work all the time. No. Well, and the reality is the other difference that we're seeing is that people are getting connected at a bigger level than before. So this is kind of a weird way to, to, I guess, think about it. So typically we'd have new people coming to the church every Sunday and, you know, however, whether that's a handful up to a hundred or whatever it is every week. But now because of the reach of the online campus, you've got people connecting from across the country and Mm. quite honestly, from other countries as well. So now we're trying to think of, okay, God's put them here for a reason. We can't ignore them. Right. We can't ignore, we got people in the Northeast up in, you know, there's cluster up there in the Northeast. We got a cluster out in Arizona. There's several down in Florida. Um, We got Bahamas and Mexico and we got overseas and we got all these like kind of, we got people watching from everywhere, but now we're starting to notice that there's clusters. And I noticed this last week that somebody from Arizona is now hosting watch parties for Crossroads at their location. And so you can't just ignore that. So you've got to figure out, okay, well then how do we actually help them? How do we train them? How do we make them disciples? Because they can be disciples in their city and they can see transformation happen in their city. And so how do we actually help them do that? So 
that's also a very, very different thing. So the overall discipleship follow-up connection and our connection, believe it or not, over the last several months especially, has increased exponentially just by a few tweaks we've made with the online campus, uh, a few tweaks with the way that we have people connect with our moderators, with our MCs, the, the wording that we've done. We made a big shift in the way that we're doing Sunday morning, which for Crossroads people, I think it upset a lot of them. But here's the thing. It absolutely exponentially increased our connections, salvations, follow-up, everything that needed to go up went up. Uh, it just made people feel like, oh, that's not the crossroads I'm used to. And no, even though it was the same message and same everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we chose to say, you know, this is a new game. Yeah. And so it's a shorter service. Uh, I've done tons of research, by the way, tons of analytics. We've looked into all of it. We're still looking into it. We, t- we are tied really close to things like Barna and Glue and Tony Morgan Group and all these ones. And data doesn't lie. So we're, we're following the data and it's proven itself immensely. Just like anything, once you start as a congregant of a church, if you start asking some questions of just to get a little bit more of an understanding, it's amazing how much more empathy you can have for your pastors and the staff, because it's real, real easy for me to sit back and get irritated (laughs) and much, much harder for me to actually seek to understand. And so now I'm like, well, let's just go ask somebody because there's no way to know. And nine times out of 10, the answers that I receive are, okay, I'm glad that I know that because if I didn't, I would just think, oh, you're doing what makes you happy. Well, that rarely is the case for people. And and you know, and back to the innovation thing, we're, we're constantly trying to evaluate and tweak what we're doing in order to make it the best experience for everybody, not just not just the people who call Crossroads home, but the new people that we're attracting and the way that people, like here, here's, here's a quick analytic that I just looked at today. So prior to COVID, when we were just simply streaming our live service online from mm-hmm. Sunday morning, our average view time was less than 30 minutes and it was an hour and 15 minute service. So we've tweaked a few things. Uh, we're doing some pre-recording, some live, some mix, uh, very targeted, very focused. And I just saw it today. Our average view was 45 minutes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the service is only 50 minutes. So people are watching the entire thing. Our numbers have gone up. You know, everything has gone up in the right direction. But, you know, it's it's a price to pay a little bit too, because you don't want to make people who who can't go to Crossroads feel isolated from it. Right. And the side that I got to guard is just a flippant response of, but you can come to Crossroads. Yeah. Like you don't have to watch it because we didn't make this shift until we were back. That's right. Because we, you know, we made the shift when we were back because we started noticing, you know, for example, another, another stat is millennials. If all you do is stream your own Sunday morning service, they've noticed an immense drop off of millennials going to your church. But if you make Mm -hmm. something specific that's online friendly, the numbers go up and, you know, and that's the same thing across the board. And so, so when we started doing that, of course uh, we get feedback and, and then I'll say this way, I've gotten a bunch of emails from people. I respond to every one of them and I've gotten not one response back. That's frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot of stuff that we're dealing with that we're like, Hey, we're trying here. Um, We're trying to stay current. We're trying to, we're trying to help everybody. And you just can't. Frustrating thing. And you just can't. And that goes back to the frustrating thing earlier where no matter what you do, you're just not going to win. Right. I mean, there's always, when you're dealing with that many people, you're always going to have people who are very excited and happy about it and people, and then 
I hate to say it, but some people, no matter what you do, are not going to be happy. <laughs> yeah, people. Sometimes people just look for an excuse to to leave or to grumble. be angry or grumble. And everybody, everybody, and we understand. It's kind of like when people drive past you and and you cut them off or something or something happens and they they kind of go off on you and you realize, okay, I'm not the problem. They might be having a bad day. So we always try to give grace yeah. extended. But the you know the the difference is recently we just moved our online or our starting point, which is traditionally our membership stuff. Yeah. It's totally virtual now. So it's all moved to online. It's going to get released in a few weeks at the time that we're recording this. And so that's another one of those kind of neat things. Well, yeah, where it's, you know, whether you come in person or not, it's still going to be virtual. It's going to be through right now media. It's going to be on right now media and you can walk through it. We had videos created and content delivered. So, you know, there's, there's things like that that are just kind of a really neat thing that we're holding and, and looking forward to. That's awesome. Well, what is one of your greatest fears for your congregation as we just continue to not really know what the next year, dare I say five years holds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think just what I'm seeing and feeling is, and I've, I've spoken on this recently, is apathy. My biggest fear for our congregation is that is they're just going to get apathetic, that they just have gotten so used to not attending church in person. Mm -hmm. They've gotten so used to not being in a small group life. They've gotten used to not, you know, continuing in their discipleship path that I think that the fear of what's happening in the world and all that goes with that, whether it's the virus or everything else that we're dealing with in the nation, that people are just kind of getting used to just, you know, I guess I'll just stay home and, and I guess I'll just attend 10 different churches instead yeah. of getting plugged in at one. Uh, you know, so I think church hopping, um, just not connecting at a deeper level. You know, you can do church at home for sure. And we all have, and, and a lot of people still are, but that's not really community. It just isn't. And I don't care how you try to want to spin that. It's not community and it's not the way that we're meant to be. We're not meant to just stay at home and just watch church online and just attend a couple of virtual things. There's just something more, powerful about getting together and worshiping together. Mm -hmm. And so my fear is that even after this, because this will pass yeah. <laughs> in Jesus name, <laughs> yes, please. this will pass, that I think um, we've seen an apathetic. And then I think the other terminology I would use is just this whole consumer, yeah. this consumer mentality, uh, kind of what I was talking about earlier. If you don't do it the way I want you to do it or the way that I'm used to doing it, even if it's better, even if it's better in all these other categories, I'm just going to go to another church mm. and I'm just going to keep going to a church till I find the itch that I'm trying to scratch. And so I find what I need, you know, and, and one of the frustrating things, I think the fear and frustration has been, you know, you see people that will go to another church because, well, that church, you don't have to wear masks and that church doesn't do social distancing and that church this and that, I mean, it's just, and we've got people coming across us for the same, you know, kind of reasons. And so I know it's not just us, but it's, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm, you know, that, that kind of keeps me up at night uh, yeah. a little bit just because I just know that's not healthy. Right. Uh, as I said, we, as a church, our focus is going to be so much on reaching lost people and reaching the part of the city that just aren't going anywhere because that's what transformation really is. Not just transfer your membership over, but my fear for the Christian congregation is that they've just allowed consumerism and, and apathy just seep in. And I tell you what, it's, I, I did church at home for a while. Now we were going in and doing our Sunday morning actually right. live during the virus. So I was still leaving the house. Um, but I can see like how 
awesome that would have been for a season <laughs> to just stay home and watch watch it online and you know get your pajamas on and and the other thing is you can watch it at any time so here's something interesting we start when we first started our actual sunday morning real time watching was real high and over the last several several months our actual like people watching at 9:15 or 11 now that's a little lower but our numbers through the week are higher because mm. people realize, oh, I can watch it anytime. I don't got to get up at 9.15. I don't got to get up at 11. I can just go do whatever and watch it at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're seeing people responding to our services as if they're watching it live, responding to the questions we're asking yeah. them like on, a, <laughs> on a Wednesday afternoon, you know? And so- You're so like, if I, you're wondering just, why no one's responding, no. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, but the thing so, yeah. is, is that you say that, and I think about a conversation that I just had with my best friend from Florida a couple weeks ago, and she had told me they still weren't going to church. And I kind of got on her a little bit for that because I know that she has three young kids and she's like me, like, I know that you need that. And so basically get your tail back in church. But also I said, you want to know what I realized when I went back is sometimes, yeah, you know, my pastor may preach on something and I may be like, nah, I don't know if I agree with that, or I'm going to dig a little bit deeper or whatever. But I realized that that's part of what I appreciate about coming to church as well is because it makes me think outside the box. It makes me want to dig a little bit deeper. It makes me want mm -hmm. to say, oh, I've never thought about it that way. And so we do need that. We need the community of other people, but we need someone that's going to push us yep. to think a little yeah, bit differently. Absolutely. Because when you only hang out with the people who are like you in your house, mm -hmm. that also yeah. is not a very healthy way to live. Yeah. Well, and it's the same thing too. If if all you're doing is trying to find the church or the pastor that makes you that feel says good. everything you want to hear, how's that actually even helping you? You know, and it just doesn't, it's, you know, scripture talks about people that just want their ears, ears, you know, itched, that's you right. know, tickled. But I do think that that's one of the greatest issues that the church is going to be facing um, moving forward is just trying to get that momentum back of people getting out of that apathetic state. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's hard to think about, but then I also can sometimes see, you know, is this a, we're, we're sifting the wheat a little bit as well. Yep. And so I can go down that path. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We've had lots of conversations about, you know, God's kind of just pruning it all. <laughs> even, and, even um, those of us who want to be back in church, we're also getting yeah. pruned. And so, yeah, absolutely. So in what way can congregants in this case, you know, we're talking about me, um, how can we come alongside you and how can other people come alongside their pastors to really support and encourage you? I mean, I feel like you've kind of shared that, do the opposite of what we've talked about. <laughs> um, yeah. But what are some ways that you would share that we can support you? Yeah. So, so listen, I think I could speak on behalf of almost all pastors right now. There might be a few, but ministry is not real fun right now. It just isn't. I, there's no way to candy coat it. There's no way just to, to pass it by. Ministry for the last year has not been fun. Mm. It's not been enjoyable. So what pastors really need, quite honestly, is just some serious encouragement. Prayer, Obviously, prayers are wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but emails, texts, we get so many emails constantly on telling us what we should do or shouldn't do or issues that people have or their problems that, that they need us to help with, which all that is great and fine we don't get a ton of just people going, Hey, I was just thinking about you today and just letting you know I'm praying for you. Yeah. You get once every once in a while. 
And sometimes you post something on social media, you might get somebody that tags you and says, oh, love my pastor. And it's like, okay, great. Where were you, you know, two weeks ago when it felt like the world was against you Mm. and, and you don't get that. So I think, and once again, I'm just, I'm speaking, not just for me and not just our staff. I, I'm tied in with a lot of pastors and many networks and talk with a lot of pastors and uh, everybody's feeling that again, there's probably the rare ones that are like, this is great. This has been the greatest thing for my church. I love it. And, uh, I'm there's sure always there's outliers, some... Andy. There's always outliers. Yeah, I, <laughs> I promise you that's not the, that's not the norm. Uh, so I think, you know, just being a little bit of proactively thinking, not just thinking about it, but actually doing something about it. Like I said, just a nice text or uh, an email or social media. And I think the, the other thing that, that we don't really lead with because it kind of sounds like an excuse, but it's a reality is we need a lot of grace and patience. We, we just need, we just need you, the, the congregation to be patient with us and have grace mm. because guess what? We've never been through a pandemic before. That's right. Everybody's like, walking through it. <laughs> we've never been through this before as a church. We've never been through this in my lifetime as a culture. So we just need people just to kind of chill out a little bit, give us some patience, give us a little bit of grace uh, we're figuring it out. We, we, you know, we always value input. We always value people who's got comments. We listen, we respond to all of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, we just need you to know like, Hey, we, we're praying about this. We live this. You're, you're thinking about it like once a week. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly for you, Amber, how often do you think about the ins and outs of our church other than, well, Sunday's coming or this program. And I know you are active. So yes, but, but for the, I mean, it's still people, only a couple you know, times a week. Yeah, a couple of times a week. And that's fair, right? There's yes. nothing, that's absolutely fair. Uh, but we live and breathe it that's right. 24-7 and we're, we're doing the best we can. And again, I think I could speak on behalf of a whole lot of pastors in that. So yeah. you know, just some good encouragement and then just a little bit of grace and patience uh, as we're navigating this because uh, especially early on, but even still early on, like our governor every three weeks or so or month, you, you just didn't know what was going to change. And so then you'd wait and then things change. And then at one point we went from like whole numbers to half numbers, like, like, <laughs> <That's so true. laughs> like 2.0 to 2.5. Like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know what that means, you know? And so, uh, and then even right now, you know, uh, we're still navigating at times week to week. So there's a lot of things that we wish we could do that we just, and quite honestly, us as a church, we've chosen to take the path that we want to honor and respect uh, authority yeah. up to a degree, yeah. up to a degree. So we want to be good neighbors, right? We want to be, a, this is our city. We love our city. Yeah. We don't want to do anything that's going to hurt our city or that's going to paint us or somebody else in a very negative. Now, of course, there's a line that uh, we're, we're, you know, if you touch this line, we're, we're going to fight you over this line, but. Well, yeah, but, we're not know. talking about dishonoring God yeah. in order to obey government. Right. That's not, exactly. I mean, exactly. but it's not. Yeah it's not harmful for us as a church no. to say, we're going to listen to our governor at this point out of respect. Yep. It's just Absolutely. not hard. Well, and here's the thing, you know, early on people were like, they're going to steal away your rights of religion. I'm like, they're not going to, they're not taking, now maybe in the future that might happen, but right now that's not happening. They're, they're, and I think the same thing holds true for me and for our team. Like we have to give our governor Absolutely. and our school and our school district a lot of grace because they've never done this either. And so we're just all trying to give each other that. So I think that's um, that's what everybody can kind of do. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's what I had even said to some of some people who were just getting so worked up. I was like, you have to remember our government is also doing the best they can do with the information they have 
Just yeah. like everybody else, it's really hard to make decisions when you have no baseline. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like grace for all. And I mean, encouragement yeah. and affirmation. It's like everybody needs to be encouraged and affirmed. Um, just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you don't need it, right? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> More so, I would say. <laughs> but um, any final words that you would share with just followers of Jesus who do find themselves really struggling to return to their local church or even to engage online? Because I know those people too. Yeah, I mean, statistics are, are very interesting when it comes to how many people, I think the last one I saw was something like 40 plus percent of your normal congregation has not attended online or in person in months. So almost half of your normal attendees aren't just, they're just not going anywhere. They just, they just shut it down. So I think my encouragement would be don't lose that connection or community, first of all, uh, understand how important it is, whether it's online or in person. Yeah. And I think the encouragement I would have is it's in your mindset. We got to start believing that you're actually going to emerge from this stronger than before. I don't know why you would choose to believe opposite of that. So I think my encouragement is like, start, start asking God to renew your mind and your heart to start thinking, you know what, as this unfolds and as this ends, I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to come out of this stronger, but that requires, you know, being in a community. It requires not isolating. It requires to actually, you know, keep pursuing your discipleship journey and I think in that, I would say, don't allow fear to freeze you because I think yeah. that's what's happening as well. People are so afraid and whether you want to call it political or not, you know, I, I'm kind of in that camp, not a, not a fear, but of, okay, the news just said it's our worst day ever, but then this other person said it's not. And these numbers are this way. These, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of the point where I'm not sure who to believe quite honestly. And yeah. I watch like eight different news channels. Like I'm not just a Fox or CNN or NBC. I, I watch all of them. Yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea who to believe right now. And you can allow that to freeze you and cause you to panic. Yep. Uh, so I would just say, you know, be smart, do what's best for you and your family, but don't lose community of it. Be safe. Don't be isolated. Yep. And ultimately just keep moving forward. Even if it's just a little step in your discipleship journey, just keep moving forward. Just pick something up, watch something, get tuned into something, uh, just get, get and stay connected. Don't lose that. And a lot of our pastors have had that conversation with people really in a, in a, in a confrontational way to a degree of, uh, Hey, why, why aren't you connecting? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think, I think we all need that at times. And so I think if you know people that are, if you're listening to this and you know, people aren't connected, I, I would say, encourage them like, Hey, challenge them. Yep. Why, why not? Yep. I mean, why aren't you connected? What's the deal? You know, what have you been doing lately? You know, get, get moving. Well, and it's like what I say to my kids during this, well, all the time, but during this time, I'm like, listen, this is an opportunity. We are growing our muscles of perseverance. Like you get to become a lot more perseverant in things as a result of having to push through this, like you are going to make it to the other side. And yeah. so don't think that you won't. You know, you got to yep. exercise those muscles. They're getting stronger right now. And so, yep. you know, we do. We just have to keep thinking about it in that perspective. And so, Andy, I want you to know that I'm, me and my family, we're very grateful for you. We're very grateful for Crossroads and the work that you guys have put in to do things online, to make the shift, to bring us back and all of the things. Because while we are not in ministry, my husband is in a leadership role and we know mm -hmm. it is not easy um, and it requires a lot of sacrifice. So um, thank you for being here today. And thank you for all that you do for us. 
Yeah, absolutely. Amber, thank you for your encouragement and for having me today and for all you're doing to, you know, keep people moving forward as well. Really appreciate it. So as we close out today's episode, I want to encourage you to write that note, send that text or email to thank those working in ministry to serve you and your family. When you do, will you snap a photo and tag me on Instagram at graceenoughpodcast underscore Amber? If we haven't had the opportunity to connect, I would love to hear what resonated with you from today's conversation. Send me a direct message on Instagram at graceenoughpodcast underscore Amber, or you can email me at graceenoughpodcast at gmail.com. See you back here next week when I sit down with the Executive Director of Bible Study Fellowship, Susie Rowan. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits Podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.